0: Against Cancer podcast. We are your hosts, Gemma Hillier-Moses, Move Charity founder, lover of all things running, travel and tea. And I'm Lucy Gossage, oncologist, outdoor adventure lover and 5K Your Way co-founder. I'm Georgie
1: Freeman, lover of exploring new places and the 5K Your Way manager.
0: The reason we originally set up this podcast was to inspire and support and empower people to move and live an active and fulfilling life despite a cancer diagnosis. In this podcast, we want to share the stories of ordinary people doing incredible things as they find their own way to move against cancer. Going through cancer treatment can feel incredibly isolating and lonely. There's so much behind every individual cancer journey, and so much of it is unseen and often unspoken. We want to explore the ways our guests navigate their way through the unimaginable. And we hope that by doing this, we can provide you with some tips, some tools and some inspiration to make your journey that little bit easier. We'll cover every aspect of living with and after cancer, from physical and psychological well-being, identity, goal setting, mindset,
1: staying active, grief and loss, family and friends, and so much more.
0: We will make you laugh, but we also may make you cry but we guarantee that you'll take something away from every single episode. So we do really hope that you enjoy listening. Hello and welcome back to the Move Against Cancer podcast. Um, it's Lucy Gossage here. For those of you who don't me know me, I am an oncologist. Um, I co-founded Five K Your Way, and I love exercising, being active in the fresh air. Um, my ideal day out is a long day of biking in the mountains, generally getting lost with some good food and a glass of wine at the end. Um, Now, this week, the tables have turned somewhat, and I'm going to be talking to someone who's previously been putting a microphone in front of me. So, Helen Murray is a very good friend of mine, um, and she leads the MOVE Online Cancer Rehab Programme. But Helen has lots of strings to her bow. She's a triathlon coach. Uh, she also loves outdoor adventures. She's taught me into many, um, perhaps noted, noted, m- most noticeably the Engadin cross country ski marathon, uh, which was somewhat challenging as I'm not a skier. Um, and she also hosts an incredible podcast, the Inside Triathlon, the Inside Tri Show. But this hasn't always been Helen's life. Until uh, 2018, she was working early mornings and late nights as a producer for the BBC. And she's covered loads of major sporting events around the world, including a couple of Olympics, a couple of Commonwealth Games, a FIFA World Cup, just to mention a few. But she then quit her job as a BBC, uh, did the Cancer Rehab tra- can rehab training course, and now leads Mon- Moves' online cancer rehab programme. Now, I first met Helen back in my early days as a professional triathlete, um, and she was interviewing me on behalf of the BBC just before one of my very first Ironman wins. And I remember very definitely having imposter syndrome at the time, thinking that I was being interviewed by the BBC and wondering how on earth I'd got there. But since then, Helen and I have become great friends, Um, although until now it's always been Helen asking the questions. Helen is an incredible interviewer. Uh, She always gets the best out of her guests, and I'm a little bit nervous that I won't be able to do her justice. Helen is definitely one of the good people of the world. I know first hand from some of the young people that she supported what a difference she makes to the lives of people who have finished or are still undergoing their cancer treatment. Um, but I also know from listening to her podcast and talking to other people who listen to her podcast, how powerful some of the stories that she shares uh, can be. And, and I know that I've made changes to my life having listened to some of her interviews. Helen's got a brilliant story. Um, I'm really looking forward to chatting to her. Um, and I really hope you enjoy hearing a bit about Helen, but um, a lot about the work that she does with young people, Three Move Charity, supporting them to move against cancer. Hello, Mummy. How are you?
1: I yeah, I'm good, thank you, Lucy. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It feels a bit weird to, to, for me to be asking the questions and you to be answering them today. Um, yeah, I've already got some tips about um, about audio.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. About headphones, always important. Yeah. No, it's it's good to be able to be on. The other side i think as well so go for it i'm, I'm excited for you lucy to be able to ask ask or ask me the questions have you
0: done many podcast interviews about yourself no i think i've done two <laughs> Privilege. so i have done a little <laughs> intro talking about you um but just as as context um helen runs and leads runs do you run a podcast yeah i don't know
1: run it host it produce it whatever that's the
0: word helen hosts um an incredible podcast the inside triathlon show um and she talks to lots of people in the world of triathlon but actually some of the interviews i've most enjoyed have been with people who aren't necessarily triathletes um and you have a way of getting stuff out of people and getting people to open up to you um and i i've taken so much from so many of your interviews
1: um yeah I like, I like listening. So it'll be quite interesting, actually, because, uh, yeah, clearly for me now, being on the other side is not necessarily my, I'm not necessarily in my comfort zone right now. I would be in my comfort zone doing what you're doing. But I do really like talking to people. And I really, really, I think I'm quite a good listener. And so I like listening to people and then people maybe say something and I'll pick up on it. And then I have a really weird memory. A friend from school will always say, Helen, how do you remember that kind of stuff? But I'm sure we'll come on to this. But again, I think that helps when I'm doing the cancer rehab work because someone might have said something and I can say, oh, how did that job interview go? Because I remember and I listen
0: interesting I actually um I sometimes put in in letters to patients I sometimes put uh you know I hope you enjoy your golden wedding anniversary partly because it's nice for them but then when I see them next time I remember they've had their golden wedding anniversary and it gives you something kind of common ground to to talk about my
1: <laughs> exactly and, and so you don't necessarily it's not just all about the cancer you can talk about something else about something else in their life that's that's happening and I think they do remember that and I think that's quite special as well yeah well I well
0: I find it it's really nice to get to know people beyond their cancer I think it's really yeah. important because we're, we're yeah. all people at the end of the day anyway we have already gone off tangent um so you used to work for the BBC in fact when I met you you were working for the BBC and you were interviewing me so how have you ended up working for Move Charity?
1: It's oh, a very good question. So when I was growing up, Lucy, I, I I was fascinated by journalism. I always wanted to go into journalism. When I was eighteen, I did a work placement at BBC News in London, and I was like, "Oh my goodness, this is the dream!" It was like all expenses paid. It was a charity thing, and I I secured this placement, and. I was just in that newsroom and I was like, oh my, this is amazing. This is amazing. But a lot of the advice that I got then as an 18-year-old was go and do what you're interested in at university and then come into journalism after that. So I always liked languages. So my undergraduate degree was French and Spanish. And then I did still want to go into journalism after that. So did a postgrad in journalism and then basically worked my way up, so local radio, and then managed to get a job uh, with BBC Sport, Five Live, Sports News, that kind of thing, and that's when I would have come to interview you, I remember I was producing a, a radio documentary about Ironman Triathlon, so that's that link, but I guess after a while of constantly thinking, I need to get, you know, I need to get that job at Five Live, I need to be at that national level, and then finally I sort of got there (laughs) and that struggle was almost over you're like oh okay so what do I just do this for the rest of my life um and I loved it at the beginning I really did still enjoy it I was like this is the dream I'm producing the sport bulletins on five live you know I'm going to the Olympics this is crazy but I think after a while I was like there has to be more to life than this and I'd look around the nude room, and I'd see quite a few people maybe in their 50s just sort of there going through the motions, not necessarily looking super happy with life. And I thought, I really don't want that to be me. I do not want that to be me. And I'd stare out the window as well. And where the offices were, you could see out over to the Peak District. So I could see the hills. And I'd just always be thinking, I want to be out in the hills so I kind of knew, and I had also gotten into triathlon at this point, I wanted to like do active stuff. I was more into movement and, and things like that. So basically did all my qualifications while I was still thinking, mm, I don't think I'm gonna be at the BBC forever. Um and then yeah, made the made the jump once I had got all of my qualifications. And I need to add one more bit in there because this is the longest answer ever. <laughs> The actual cancer bit i watched a documentary from abc in australia and it was about it was like a trial or a research project and basically there is a hospital and patients had to go into the gym straight before or straight after their treatment and i was thinking right that is how i can use all of these fitness qualifications. I didn't just want to work in a normal gym. I was like, that'll be the same as a BBC. But that, cancer and exercise, yes, right. That's it.
0: So, it was, but did you have any experience of cancer? Any, had it affected you?
1: Yeah, so when I was 18, uh, doing my Gold Duke of Edinburgh, I used to go and volunteer at the hospice in Wrexham it was just on reception, things like that. But I would see the Macmillan nurses coming in, and I remember seeing them, and they just run the London Marathon, I think. And they were just these really bubbly people. And the hospice showed to me that, despite it being a very sad place, actually there there could be little glimpses of like happiness and in there as well. And I think that stayed with me. Um, I've always been. I don't know I've always had a charitable side like I was that 7 year old at school doing cake sales for whatever charity it was um and then from a personal perspective my mum was diagnosed with melanoma probably about 10 years ago um so that would be the 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 sort of personal link there but no I didn't there wasn't there wasn't really much much else to be honest isn't it amazing because I I think about this quite a lot and when I pinpoint
0: um some of my biggest life decisions they've often come down to one interaction so for me being an oncologist I read uh, cowards get cancer too by John Diamond who mm. was Nigella Lawson's husband and he died of esophageal cancer and I remember reading it when I was about I think I was maybe third year at medical school and I'm sure that book played a role in in me being an oncologist so isn't it funny how transient interactions or or something that we see or read can change our our lives
1: definitely oh, absolutely I, and I can't really yeah I, I can't necessarily pinpoint it to to that one thing but it was someone who sent me that link to that documentary and I sort of thought oh that actually combines a few of these things that I'm really passionate about and I knew that I wanted to do some sort of exercise um field of work but not with the general population so maybe exercise referral or something like that like knowing the power of exercise so at a time when you watched it were you working for the BBC yep working for the BBC and I had done so I had done my fitness instructor qualification I had done my personal trainer qualification and and then I must have then still at the BBC did this cancer rehabilitation qualification and then I (laughs) I was kind of like getting these really really itchy feet by that point (laughs) but I wasn't quite brave enough to quit outright but I managed to get my line manager to agree for me to take a sabbatical and you could do that at the BBC. In my head, I didn't think I'd be going back. In my head, I thought, right, I'm going to be able to um, get, basically start working in cancer rehabilitation. Um, but I just, I was not brave enough to to quit outright. Um, no way. <laughs> um, but yeah, and that, and I had met you I think two months maybe before I maybe even a month two months perhaps before I took that sabbatical and you had said you had seen I think on Twitter that Mm. I was doing this can rehab course and you were like I didn't know you would (laughs) you're into that (laughs) (laughs) you're going to be great at that (laughs) (laughs) and you said you need to talk to Gemma and I think you said to Gemma you need to talk to Helen and that was how it that was how it happened
0: Oh, I, I love hearing stories about people who who take career changes kind mm. of because just tell tell listeners roughly how old you are just to to I think age is kind of a,
1: a rough picture is important yeah know. so I'm 38 and so I would have quit the BBC at 35 and you think is that crazy like you know really I had a staff job very very secure um would have had everything that goes with it probably I say probably I would have gone to the Tokyo Olympics again as part of BBC sports team um yeah I'd I'd, I could have probably stayed there for life but I I just remember being in a couple of meetings (laughs) about I don't know policy or shaping things you know future Mm -hmm. I was just like oh my goodness you know what's sort of shoot me now kind of a feeling as I get me out of this room I do not want to be here I'm not that bothered surely surely I could do something that actually helps other people rather than a lot of the time making other people look good on air that sounds so blunt and um yeah sounds really blunt but that's what I thought
0: interesting I, I've never heard you say it was about making other people people look <laughs> look look good so fast forward three years and you now lead um moves online cancer rehab program so um that's that's kind of part of your life and you've well you've got other streams of your life that I think you know it'd be, it'd be interesting to talk about um just talk a, a bit about what you do with move first of all so tell, tell us about the program yep
1: yeah, so when I had that initial conversation with Gemma Move really was still in its in its infancy really and there was this online program and and it supported uh 13 to 30 year olds to build up their fitness and their strength after a cancer diagnosis so it's an 8 week program and if people in that age group are still on treatment then they have to get referred by their healthcare professional and if they've finished treatment then they can refer themselves And then it's a case of working one-on-one with each person and designing an exercise programme, an activity programme, whatever you want to call it, designing something for them that they can do a lot of the time in their own time at home. And I think that's one of the reasons why it does work. Um, So it's not necessarily about going to a gym. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter if you don't have any equipment, anything like that. And then every week we'll catch up with them on the phone or perhaps do a workout with them over Zoom. It does really depend. Um, and then you can tweak it then for the following week. So they might say, actually, I've had a really bad week this week. Okay, that's okay. We'll tweak it or don't worry. We'll just pause this week. We'll pick up again. Um, and it is, it's is—it's amazing. And you kind of think eight weeks isn't that much time in the grand scheme of things, but a lot can be achieved I think in in eight weeks and and that's it and then at the end of it we'll signpost them to other resources maybe or I'll say look I'll catch up with you again in a couple of weeks see how you're doing without our input um and yeah it's all about the fitness the strength but I I always think Lucy, a massive massive part of it is confidence as well and and getting people to feel confident again in their bodies and in themselves as well it's Amazing
0: it is, and I you know I've referred some young people to you and have heard firsthand how much well have seen firsthand what a difference it makes and i I'd, I'd agree so much of it is giving people confidence to 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 start to be themselves again um after after their diagnosis I mean, it just can you remember what it was like the first young person that you worked with We you nervous and I was pooping my pants. <laughs>
1: I know if nervous like really could even know it was like beyond nervous because uh, yeah I really I was a producer or a journalist who had got all these qualifications um I had done coaching at my tri club I had done an exercise class in my village um but really hands-on experience and especially with people affected by cancer No, I didn't, you know, I didn't have a whole load of experience. And then you just think, uh, do do I know what I'm doing? You know, I've got all the qualifications, but really? Oh, so no, I was, I was really nervous and I would have had to check with Gemma a lot. Like, is this okay? You know, just real, that real self-doubt. But I think the first few people I had... I remember. I, I just remember there'd be quite a few good conversations, um, and you'd get the feedback that oh, I feel great, or you know, j- just from them getting into the 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 swing of it, as I was getting into the swing of it, really. Um, and so then, bit by bit, that's yeah, definitely helped build my confidence, and now I feel. It, 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 it's all right now.
0: <laughs> oh am I? I yeah. I mean, I remember when I started as a consultant. I told, I told um a patient this. Actually, he was applying for a job, and he said he was, he was saying how he didn't think he'd get it, and he wasn't good enough, and how he'd be, you know, he thought that everyone would just look at him like he didn't know what I was doing. And I, I said to him because he was, I was, I just started as a consultant. Um, when when he was going through his treatment and um I said to him do you know what I used to have to pack up energy to go in not energy pack up courage to go in and see you because I really thought that I really felt like I didn't know what I was doing and I felt that you were going to call me out on it
1: honestly um, that that's but I think that's so common for everybody isn't it no matter mm. what feel I remember first few shifts at BBC Radio Merseyside and I barely ate because I was so nervous and just you think someone's someone is going to see right through me and someone is going to know you don't know what you're doing get out of here kind of thing um and it is only with time that and and doing things that it gets easier and you actually feel no it's okay I, I do know what I'm doing I am confident I do have the qualifications and you learn from your mistakes as well
0: Oh yeah absolutely and and we learn from the people that we work with I mean I totally. I don't know about you, but I feel every single person that I meet in the hospital i I take something away from from the way they deal with with their treatment and the diagnosis massively massively
1: and I think from the patients especially that's probably that that's what I learn the most from that they they're the people I speak to all of the time and I think you learn so much from their mindset as well, and I can usually tell the ones who are happy to happy to chat. And with those ones, maybe I maybe I do ask a couple more questions. That you know what I don't really know a whole load about what this treatment in involves or whatever. And I'll say, look, do you mind? Can I just ask you what was that like or whatever? And and with those ones who are happy to who are happy yeah, I, I, I learn so much from it. And then I can think, oh, okay, that was for that one. Maybe I could ask a question for another person with a perhaps a similar diagnosis. Oh, have you found X or Y? And just always using it and hopefully increasing, yeah, increasing the knowledge a bit.
0: And what, like, what do you think? Because I see, I see people, going through their treatments. And and doctors, we, you know, sometimes I feel quite jealous of the nurses because they get to know patients on a whole different level. And, you know, sometimes people see us as, you know, they can't open up to us. And we're the the doctors who know everything like we absolutely don't know <laughs> quite so don't know anywhere near <laughs> everything. But um yeah, sometimes the you know the nurses have a very different relationship. Um so to tell, what what do you think some of the biggest challenges that the young people who come to move are, are up against when they first meet you
1: and, and how the programme perhaps can help that? So I think a, a big one is not really knowing what they can do or what they can't do, um, what they should do, what they're allowed to do, what they're not allowed to do. You know, can they can they still exercise if they have a pit line, for example, or um, what? if they're currently on chemo, what can they do to, to stay active? So I think those kind of questions that they will come to us um, and, and aren't too sure, or maybe if they've finished treatment and this one would be really, really common, you know, I used to be able to do X, Y and Z, I don't know if I can anymore. Like, I don't know where to begin. I don't, I don't know where to start. Like, maybe someone used to go to the gym loads or, oh, I could run three miles three times a week. I don't think I can now. Or, like, I went out for a run and had to come home within 10 minutes and really don't think I can go again. And then it'd be my job to go we can definitely get you going again, but we just need to break it down and we'll probably get you doing quite a bit of walking in there, but we can still get you running. But we're not going to go <laughs> full <laughs> gas, full gas for 10 minutes. So I think those things are, are really common. And then as well, like, you know, is doing this, is it going to make my cancer come back or I'm, am I going to put myself in a little bit more danger? Um, and on a more positive spin maybe you know oh by doing this will i be able to get back to college or get back to work or you know and things like the fatigue as well i think that's a a big one people would come and it, it's a it's a massive massive thing cancer related fatigue and i feel really tired and and that idea of well surely exercise is not necessarily going to help that and you're like no 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 it really will the movement will help you but it's about pacing yourself and finding that balance etc etc so I'd say though they're probably some of the common things that people come to us with
0: and and I guess that you know what I see and and you've done some amazing videos with some of the young Mm -hmm. people that you've you've helped is that yeah it's called a, a you know it's move charity, it's based around exercise, but the effects are so far so much further reaching than just exercise. And and so much of it is a, it kind of overflows into confidence into other areas of their life.
1: Yeah, massively. So even today, I was speaking to someone who has just got to the end of the eight week programme. And, you know, at the beginning of it, they, they were really struggling with fatigue, they had applied for A job to go to go back into work um but probably on their mind was thinking how am I going to get through full-time work but actually speaking to them today at the end of those eight weeks they're like I'm in a routine which I didn't have before so I think it really helps with that and the structure and actually sort of sticking to something again um they had managed to I'm going to say sort out, sort out their sleep. So when they started, they were up really, really late, probably, you know, midnight, one o'clock going to bed and then napping a lot in the morning and and not really on top of, of that sleep hygiene. And again, they were saying today, yeah, it's great. I'm pretty much sticking to it apart from the weekend. I let myself go. You're like, that's okay. <laughs> that's normal. wielding. <laughs> <laughs> and then just, yeah, this inner confidence that I can't wait to start my job and I know that I can now do it and, yeah, I feel fitter. I can be on my feet nearly all the day and and, and those other bits and bobs as well. So, yeah, I think it really is. It's incredibly powerful and, and even someone else who helping them th- while they were still going through their treatment, but just giving them... Uh, Almost a sense of purpose and enabling them to do bits of running again that they just didn't think they could, or even if they couldn't run, because actually it perhaps got to the point of being dangerous for them to run, maybe because of the weather or because of their balance, just like don't don't be running. But we can get you on a bike. If you've got access to a bike, we can absolutely get you on a bike. You know, you're you're gonna be safe on a static bike, I should say. You're gonna be safe. And we can still kind of give you those endorphins that will be going around your body. And again, the the that sense of achievement from that, rather than going, no, you can't do anything. Mm. Yeah, there probably is something that you can do. And that's what I, I love. And I I see
0: it. I see it in the people that 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 have been through, you know, your your support. That the NHS is it's very good at delivering good cancer care safely but it doesn't have the resources or the facilities to do to do much beyond that and Mm. it's also got a very you know negative attitude towards risk or it's very risk averse in terms of all this might happen if you do that and and generally people are overcautious in terms of advice and we need people like you to to say no it's not you can't do this or this might happen but actually there is a way and if there's a will there's always a way to 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 do whatever it is that you want to do and it's oh it's such a such I just it's so rewarding when people who've who've been through it come back to clinic and you can see the
1: impact that you have made with them it is it is insane it is mad even someone the other day uh, was referred and um i spoke to them on the phone before before we started and they said i'm not really sure if i'm if i'm really eligible if i if i really sort of need your support i'm doing bits and bobs but um and i said well yeah you absolutely are any you know a- anybody is as long as you fit those bits of criteria you are no less um, in need of our support than, than someone else. Um, and one particular person came with something called POTS as well. Have you heard mm-hmm. of POTS? Okay. So that would mean, I mean, you could give more of a medical thing, but basically POTS is not great, is it, in terms of uh, you might I don't be... actually know
0: what you're talking about.
1: Okay. But... So... <laughs> <laughs> there, right so there's a there is a medical term for it but um like you would be prone to kind of collapsing and things okay like I say I mean, postural, uh,
0: something I don't know maybe it's something super pressure anyway
1: yeah but they would have said oh I don't know if you can help me it's like no no like we can let's focus on the things that you can do you know the things that so for example let's get you you could do cardio which is not necessarily walking but again can we get you on the bike or can we get you rowing so you're more like sat down if that makes sense yeah um and then bits of yoga which are more on the floor uh strength workout working the core things like that so yeah there is always something that someone can do and when they when they kind of realize that it the empowerment is just insane so you, I mean, I, I can see in your
0: face. People listening won't be able to see the face, but how much, how much joy you take from it. But there, there must be some tough times. Um, and and I, 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 reflect. We talked about it. I've reflected on it when people that you've helped die or have got cancer that's progressing. Um, and you know, I've got years of experience working in the hospital, and I still haven't worked out my. You know, it's still. It's of course. It's it's really hard. For me, I I don't feel it gets any easier. How how have you managed to deal with that when it's happened?
1: Yeah, so it, it's kind of strange actually, Lucy, because really, for the first two years, I think I think there was only two people who who died in that period, and one of them I I hadn't actually spoken to. I had only spoken to one of their parents, so I didn't have it. You know, I didn't have an image of them in my head or, or or anything. And the other one, again, I think I had spoken to once on the phone, um, but we hadn't actually started the programme. So in that sense, those two didn't have a massive impact on me because I didn't have a an idea in my head. Mm. Um, I couldn't picture so much their lives and things like that. And then this summer, it was almost like, it, it was bad because I think three people four actually in a really short space of time um yeah died and and you kind of know it's going to you know that it's a part of the job um but I think with three of those ones you know I had spoken to them every week and and I had found out about their lives and and their interests and and their hopes really for the for the future and their goals and and things like that and so then yeah you, you do get that news and you're just like oh life's so life's so rubbish um, and i think that bit has been hard because you think oh there were such lovely people they were such intelligent people you know they had their lives ahead of them and i th- yeah i think that that bit was it was rubbish it kind of made you feel just down and reflective i think um for a day or two or you just i'd be just in the shower and then you'd think oh hmm and i i think that is quite difficult because i haven't had i haven't had training in that at all um you know it's not part of the qualification course and so you're not really sure exactly I get it. it. Doesn't matter how you feel. How you feel is how you feel. But how do you process those thoughts? Maybe.
0: Mm. And I, I don't know the answer. And I've, yeah, I don't know that we get training. We just get a no. bit more exposure and a bit more experience to it. Um, yeah, I, I, you do. You feel what you feel. Um, yeah. And I, I think something I, I. I struggle yeah I, I'm learning to do is trying to compartmentalize it and not letting it roll over too much into but for me it's you know it's exercise it's a long bike ride and and that will kind of allow me to to reflect and and I think you're allowed to do that you because because we do get to know them really well yeah. sometimes don't we yeah yeah do you and think I mean, um on. sorry
1: I was just going to say when that does happen if if someone does die it just makes you it just makes you feel really grateful for what Mm. you have and what you yeah what you have in your life and and just generally life as a whole and and it hammers home that we do just have one life and and you've got to make the most of it and you know that's why I'm doing this interview with you today and I'm not at the BBC it was almost like No, if you're not quite happy with something then almost do something about it if you can do something about it make a change it doesn't have to be necessarily a massive massive change but don't kind of mope around crack on you
0: you made that I mean you you took the plunge before you'd 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 work with people because I I say exactly the same I say Mm. that I think my job makes me make the most of opportunities and say yes yep. to things and not yep. tick boxes just for the sake of tick and I, I've changed so many things because of because of the things I see at work but you actually took the plunge before you started working with cancer so has it you know has this work changed how you live your life at all since then?
1: I I honestly think it's made me even more grateful for for life so I don't know that I've necessarily changed changed my life. I don't know, maybe maybe like the realization that say family's really important to me, friends are really important to me and and last year so December 2019 moving back to the area where I grew up, you know, and being closer to to my parents. Maybe yeah, that was covid inspired, but I don't know, was there anything with the work I've been doing as well. I, I'm not quite sure, but definitely, definitely that, like, gratefulness for life. And sometimes, I, I remember actually last sort of January, February, and uh, we were in lockdown in the UK and and a lot of the time, and yeah, there was a lot to be annoyed about, wasn't there, with things. But actually, I remember saying to people, like, I'm really happy. Like, I am really happy. And perhaps it was that stop and think. Don't know.
0: But you have, I mean, you in, in, you must have a lot going around in your head kind of making you reflect. Because not only yeah. do you the, do the work with with Move, but you also do the podcast. So the Inside Tri-Show podcast, anyone who listened to my interview with Luke Graham for sure will have heard me talk about it lots because Helen did a much better interview with Luke oh. kind of a year earlier um but yeah you you've got all these lessons from from the interviews that you do do you do you do you consciously try and reflect on them and and process them or is it just kind of you have
1: the conversation and you let it mull around I I think I I don't consciously act I think the one that I would think about is what Luke had said which is control how you live today like those words I was just like oh that's great (laughs) I need to think of that you know if you are feeling maybe in a bit of a bit of a kind of thing actually what can you do about that (laughs) but uh, all the other lessons I think I take them on board I think they're probably there in my head somewhere um but I don't think I live my life um differently I think I've always been quite a positive person um I remember in like a leaving book at school someone called me smiler like (laughs) Smiler or something like that like and people would say you're always smiling and I'm not always smiling like I you know I I I get upset I cry for sure but I I guess I do have quite a a sort of positive outlook outlook on things um how do
0: you think um like do you because it you don't, we haven't really talked about it. You have done lots of Ironmans, you've signed up for an ultra, some crazy ultra challenge. You've got me signed up to stuff that I, you know, the Engadin cross country ski marathon. Can you cross country ski, Lucy? No, don't worry, do you I can't either. Ski marathon, maybe. Should I phone you tomorrow? Okay, that's what we doing. So, you do crazy stuff. Um, do you and I, I know for me as a you know, when I was an athlete, I mm. would often think you know and I didn't want to do a training session I would remind myself how lucky I was to be able to and I just think of someone i would seen in the hospital and yep. I think for me remembering that that suffering choosing to suffer is a real privilege I found that really helpful kind of in the later stages of an Ironman when you were hurting yep. do you do you ever think of some of the people you work with when you're doing these crazy challenges
1: yeah or or even in um horrible interval sessions particularly out running actually if, if it was a If there's an interval session I have to run and I'm kind of maybe not really feeling it, then I might think, Helen, that person, they're not on planet Earth anymore. They would love to be doing what you're doing right now. So, you know, get on with it, shove a rocket up your backside and go. (laughs) And even, yes, I think sometimes I've been doing a few like longer walks or jogs or whatever in really stunning North Walian countryside recently and and I do think it's a real privilege to be to be able to be out here and to be doing this and I do think like you say like those people and and even in the run-up to an Ironman that I uh, attempted to do in June <laughs> honestly I had I wasn't really feeling in, in a great place about it. And I had written a whole letter to myself and I had put about, you know, you're you're lucky to be able to do this and, and think of these people who might want to do this one day, but probably can't. Um, and even I had planned, <laughs> I had really planned it, <laughs> planned Ooh. on the marathon to divide it up and sort of do, right, you know 3k for this person 3k for that person 3k for that person and just really think what have they gone through what are they going through okay you are fortunate to be here
0: mm. yeah. yeah I well I yeah I definitely I sometimes wonder whether I get a bit too much you know a bit too morbid and you know phone, oh, I, I think know. I'm really morbid yeah.
1: honestly I, I I often think I'm quite a morbid like having said I'm really positive.
0: It's not morbid. I I wouldn't say, I I don't know. I sometimes just, I'm too aware that you never know. Chris Evans talks about this. There was a, you know, at some point, it's the last time that you put your kid to bed and we haven't got kids, so that won't happen. But at some point, it's the last time that you play in your Wendy house with your three-year-old sister. At some point, it's the last time that you run 10K. And I was on a run the other day and I really, like you, it's very rare that I go for a run when I'm not feeling it. But it was early in the morning before work and I wasn't feeling it. And I was running home. I was like, I just want to get breakfast. And I'm like, this could be the last day I ever run 10K. <laughs> I'm not sure if that's healthy or not. <laughs>
1: um, I, well, if, if it makes you feel better. But that's what I mean. Like, honestly, this time last year, I was sort of, I don't even know if I should admit this, but I was saying, like, if I, if I were to die next week, I'd actually die a happy person because mm-hmm. I, I feel I feel very content. So yeah, That's, those, yeah. those feelings crossed my mind for sure. And I don't think I would have been able to tell you that when I was working at the BBC.
0: Yeah, I think I, I agree. If it, you know, if it's, if it makes your life better because you're aware that we yeah. only get one shot, then it's probably a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Where, so, so we want to keep you at MOVE forever and ever and ever and ever and ever, obviously. <laughs> where would you like to take MOVE in the next five years?
1: I think, right, so I think Move as a charity is it's just incredible in, in terms of the fact that it was basically an idea that would have started in Gemma's head, right? So Gemma Halea Moses, um, Move founder and co-founder of 5K Your Way. And I think to be in the position now, what, five years on only – only five years on (laughs) that you've got this amazing online program for young people for 13 to 30 year olds which I'd say now has probably supported in terms of who've actually finished and gone through that program like over 125 Mm -hmm. people definitely have gone through from the beginning to the end and there are more than that but there we go and then the number of 5k your ways that you've got so again impacting what is that nearly fifth around 50 now Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but you think this is still only the tip of the iceberg like honestly (laughs) this really is the tip of the iceberg because i don't get any referrals from northern ireland i think i've had one from scotland um i don't really get many from london have I I don't think I've ever had one from Newcastle and I just sort of think there are so many other people who we can support so in in my you know hypothetical world my ideal world I think if every single 13 to 30 year old diagnosed with cancer across the UK could have the opportunity of doing this program that would be incredible
0: yeah I, I mean, I agree wholeheartedly, and and it won't be for everybody. There will be some people no. who don't want to engage, and and who for it's not, it's definitely not right for everybody. But I agree. No. That's where I'd, that's where I'd like to see it. There you go. Um, great minds. So yeah, we, I mean, we are a tiny, 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 tiny little charity, aren't we? Yeah. Um Beating, what's the phrase? Beating above our weight. Is that a phrase? Oh yeah,
1: punching. Punching, punching. above
0: our weight. Um, <laughs>
1: Punching well above our weight. This is the thing. And I think, so even in the time, so three years now with the online program, even how much that has grown, and the because it started only with referrals in the East Midlands, because that was where the links were.
0: So Helen, just um finally, and we've kind of skipped around a little bit, but I have huge admiration for anybody who who takes that leap um and decides not to stick at something just because it's the easy option um and is brave enough to 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 follow their dreams. What advice would you give to anybody who is contemplating a, a major life shift?
1: I'd say don't don't do anything i don't make a snap decision overnight because i think it is a it is a big decision so i'd say definitely do your research so whether that is just speaking to people maybe who are doing what you're thinking of of doing um i don't know do you want to quit your city job and go and live in the countryside or well, maybe go and live in the countryside for a week and actually see what it what's it like um so do your research remember and this is one key thing that someone told me when I because I spent ages umming and ahhing and just not not really having the guts and someone said Helen there will never never be a good time to do it never so it it might be that you know you're expecting you're expecting a child or it might be that oh but we just want to save up because we want an extension or you know oh but if if but 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 if and you could spend the rest of your life doing that and thinking, oh, I'll do it when I'll do it when. But there's always going to be something stopping you. So remember that never a good time, mm. but you just sometimes have to be brave and go for it. Don't burn any bridges would be another one. So I, I don't think I, I don't think I burn any bridges at, at the BBC. And I know that if i had wanted to go back in a freelance capacity i i could have done um and then i really think it's important to have a team around you so that team would involve your close friends and family and i think you know if you have a partner or something like that i think you need their support you need their buy in um you need to have talked talked it all through Like if you're not going to be earning money for a while, for example, can you afford that? So just thinking or how might you make that work? And then that team idea, I think, is is really important because there'll be so much doubt in your head. And even like even now, I still think sometimes. Oh, it's drastic. But I think like, am I a failure? Am I a complete failure? And you (laughs) need those people around you to say no you're really not (laughs) you know you're (laughs) you're not a failure um and just that like confidence boosting reassurance kind of person um or people around you so yeah those are my those are my tips I think Lucy
0: and it is it is scary isn't it when you do take that plunge and you're I I think the easy option is always to stay but like like we've been saying all along you get one shot you
1: got to make it the best one exactly absolutely uh, life is life really is such a cliche but life is too short and just yeah don't 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 put up with something if it's if it's making you really really unhappy for heaven's sake do something about it if you can yeah Good words to end on.
0: Um, Helen, thanks as always for chatting to us. Um, thanks for all the amazing work you do with Move Charity. And um, I will see you face to face with our glad rags on at the Move Ball in two days' time.
1: I'm looking forward to it. Lucy, thank you very much for the opportunity as well. <laughs>
0: Bye. <laughs> Oh, well, I love that conversation. Helen is definitely one of the good people of the world, um, and she's someone that I feel very privileged to have in my life as a friend. Um, And as I said, I I know firsthand what a difference she makes uh, to some of the young people that she supports through the MOVE programme. I think for me, one of the biggest take-homes is not being scared to take a plunge um, and hearing Helen's story and how she realised that she wasn't happy doing what she was doing with the BBC, um, and decided to make that change is is really invigorating, and and actually, and I think I've got I've got a lot of friends who've done that, and um, all of them say that in the long run, despite the the short term upheaval and the scare, you know, the 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 scariness of of taking that plunge, in the long run, it's always the best thing to do. Um, Yeah. Thank you very much, Helen, for um, sharing your story with us and and for talking to us a little bit about what you do with the Move Online programme. And I promise you, you make a massive difference to so many people. We are very, very lucky to have you as part of the team. Um, I hope you've enjoyed listening to the pod. Please do get in touch with any comments, any suggestions. We'd really love to hear from you. Um, It really does make us kind of remember that what we're doing is um is relevant if we if we get some some uh some messages from you guys uh you know when we do get messages it always means a means a lot um i'm waffling i'm not you know if anyone ever tries to talk to themselves recording an end to a podcast it's really hard (laughs) um anyway thanks for listening if you do like listening give us a review give us a share give us a like uh one day i might get better at recording these endings um Have a good day and we will be back again in a couple of weeks.